It is here, ladies and gentlemen. We have reached the precipice of the NFL season. We head to the southwestern corner of these great United States of America in Glendale, Arizona, home of the Grand Canyon, one of the largest gorges in all of human history. But it pales in comparison to the game we have on Sunday. It is a game that needs no introduction, needs no hype, because it's the greatest game in the world on center stage. It is, for the 57th time, the Super Bowl. And we are going to break it down here on the Sunday card, Super Bowl 57, live from Glendale, Arizona. In one corner, the green NFC champions, a team that has been bestowed upon us as a hyped-up machine and has been told by all that they are the best team in the league for at least the past 15 or 16 weeks, I think. And then they head up against the juggernaut, a team destined maybe for greatness with a quarterback looking to take his place in the annals of history. Will he do it? Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs bring another title to Kansas City. We're about to find out. The Eagles and the Chiefs on Sunday. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silberth, our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper Lou Perricone. There is sense of urgency in the air for this show because we know it is the last pick we will ever make for the 2022 NFL season. Matty, let's ride. That's right, man. I hope we could. I hope we could, you know, copyright some NFL films music to put underneath that stuff underneath the, the start of that. That was good. I'm ready to run through a wall. I want this game to start right now. You just got me very ready for this game, damn. Uh, as you said, needs no introduction, needs no hype, but uh, you just you just got me ready for it. Like uh, we, we're about to talk the big game, the Super Bowl, the prop bets, everything else that goes into it. It's a sad time of the year because it's the end of the football season, but again, it ends it ends with the best game of the year. This is the most hyped game all year. And I feel like compared to Super Bowl's past, this has not really been that hyped up of a Super Bowl. And I think maybe I'm waiting until maybe Friday, Saturday, where, okay, now the ball starts rolling. We've got our obvious you know, storylines, the Andy Reid Eagles connection, the Kelsey Brothers connection, to see mom wearing the dual-sided jersey. You know, you've got a lot of that. Even now pulling out the Sirianni, how he was not retained by Andy Reid's story when he took over in Kansas City. There's a lot going here. These are two historic franchises, an AFL uh, team that was a, an original AFL team. And, of course, the Eagles with such a, you know, a storied franchise, and they've won one Super Bowl and – the Chiefs have won literally two Super Bowls in their history. This is These are not two teams with Super Bowl success, but they are two very passionate fan bases, and I think that's what we'll see on Sunday. Well, they've had tons of recent successes. Franchises yes. aren't, aren't deep in, in history, but both have obviously won them in the past five years. Absolutely. Years. Yeah. Oh, they won 2017 and then again yeah. in 2019. So, I mean, right. we're – is this – let me ask you, let me put it this way. Maybe, Lou, you can answer this question. Is this the game to mark a dynasty? Oh, that that's a good question. Maybe the beginning of one. Maybe uh, 
more so the Chiefs, I feel like, than the Eagles because we got a quarterback switch. But mm-hmm. uh, potentially, I like it. It's it's not too far out for it to be considered whoever wins here to be a dynasty. Maybe this is a this is the springboard for the team of the 2020s. Maybe that's that. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I don't know. I always think a dynasty is just like three championships feels like it. But obviously, again, you could talk about the Chiefs with having five straight AFC you know appearance AFC championship appearances and wins, and so a little bit different there, a little bit different there. But yeah, obviously, if they notch their second with. Prince of Darkness, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he is well on his way to catching Tom Brady, right? That's that's how it goes. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Dan's serious. Yes. Honestly, you know, and of course, you know, rock and pliability, um, that's what keeps us longevity. If he goes with the TB12 method, you know, sure. Like, we could absolutely. And then you could credit Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes' success, and it all come full circle. He likes ketchup too much, and that's, you know, tomatoes. Tomatoes apparently bad, so we can't. Gotta cut, cut those out. Your body was never meant to retain those. Um, let us get to the game, though, shall we? We'll talk legacy next week and all those fun things. However, um, thoughts, feelings about the week, just before we get deep-dived into it, we're going to do a kind of breakdown, kind of how we did the NFC and AFC championship games, and then we'll get to all the props your heart can desire because Maddie Ice went ahead and just made a giant spreadsheet to track everything we've ever done. He's like big brother of props. Uh, yeah, and I just like to pull as much information to one place. Because, again, I, there's one thing that uh, sports books can figure out is, like, finding the props is a disaster, it feels like. Sometimes it's searching through. So I try to make the spreadsheet, make things easier to look at for, for the show purposes. For myself, it's easier to kind of look through. I sort players in chunks and, and different themes together, and it's a little easier to look at than that. Uh, it's scrolling through the sports book on your on your phone sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a psycho about props. Uh, I, I might not even have, you know, I have more money on props in this game than I do on a side or a total that is for sure. Oh, you have to. Have to. I mean, with all of them out there. So why don't we just get right into it? Let's break down this game right now. And, Matt, I want to talk about first. I think we'll save the best for last because I feel like the Eagles D and the Kansas City O is the sexy, juicy matchup. But I want to talk about the Philadelphia offense. I want to talk about Jalen Hurts. I want to talk about Nick Sirianni, how he goes up against Steve Spagnola. One of the things that we have always kind of prided ourselves on this show is and learned over the last couple of years is that the coaching chess match matters in this game a lot. Now, last year, not so much because we kind of talked about it. When coaching is not very good, talent wins. I think we do have two very good coaches this year. I don't think the coaches really affected last year's game between the Rams and the Bengals. But let me just break it down for you. There's a lot less in this uh, matchup than there is in the other one, and we'll get to that. Kansas City's defense against the rush, 15th this year, DBOA. You would say to yourself, hey, Philly might have themselves an advantage here. But how does Philly want to attack it? Philly exposes San Francisco defense with weak side runs, runs away from the strong side play side uh, formation. Kansas City led the league in two safety snaps, but they can't do that if they want to stop the Philly run offense. It's it's You leave way too many people back in the secondary. you got to load up the box. And Philly loves, loves running out of 12 personnel. They were fourth in the league in in 12 personnel snaps, especially with double tight end formations on one side. Two tight ends and in that formation, doubling them up, 
uh, with Goddard and another backup tight end. The tight ends and wide receivers, I think, are actually going to be way more important in the blocking game. Why? Because there's a high probability Kansas City's got some young, small secondary pieces on the outside. And that's exactly where they want. They are going to try to over leverage this Kansas City team. So if, if they try to over leverage them and try to get them in kind of like an uneven matchup for them to the outside, especially on those outside zones, RPOs, all those tags that they have on them, that's where Spagnola has to come in. I think Spagnola has to create pre-snap confusion for the Philadelphia offensive line. By the way, all these stats, if you want to read really good articles on like how, what to look for when one team is on offense and one team's on defense, Ted Nguyen at The Athletic is a wizard, man. He breaks stuff down so good, and a lot of this is from him. He's, he's just an excellent writer. Kansas City's defense, fourth in the league in rushing success versus 12 personnel but they are nowhere near as physical as the Philly offensive line. This is going to be a problem. I think Spagnola really needs to confuse the Philly offensive line to not let him know where he's coming from. And that doesn't necessarily mean blitz. That could mean uh, more of a, uh, a, a simulated pressure, if you will. You know, when you're sending four guys from different directions, you don't know where they're coming from. And, you know, guys bluff and guys do this. But passing-wise – Hertz is actually really good in a regular game script in terms of EPA, but he's not very good in third and long. We talked about that last week. Third and long passing situations, especially against the Blitz, 24th in EPA per drop back against the Blitz this season. That is not very good. Now, like we said, Spags likes to Blitz in the past, but this year he hasn't done that. His his Blitz rate is down like 25 to 25%. But again, simulated pressure, right? Rushing four defenders from different directions to confuse the Philly O-line so they can't pick up the guys that they need to pick up or at least identify them pre-snap. Now, how they line up coverages is typically they like to bracket off those two receivers, meaning double, you know? You're going to double Brown and you're going to double Devontae Smith when you do that, when you bring those four-man pressures. However, everyone else plays man-to-man. Hmm, let's just think about something. Who does Philly have outside of Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown that may see man-to-man coverage over the middle? Hmm, let me think. Oh, yeah, that dude, Dallas Goddard. Pretty freaking good. I would say that Dallas Goddard, money down, will be third and fourth down in this situation. It'll be that man-to-man coverage that they want to expose. Philly is going to try to get odd and even numbers to go uh, with their RPO game whether that's rushing or passing, or maybe adding in an extra blocker and having Hurts run the football. I think that's a big possibility for them. Spagnuolo's got to create confusion, whether that's in blitz or simulated pressures. And can they slow down Brown and Smith? And how bad will they be exposed with Dallas Goddard? It's a tough matchup, and I think we all know it's a tough matchup for Spags this week. Yeah, I mean – it's all going to be coming down to them to, you know, Philly leads the league as far as second half of games. They, they lead the league top five in run rate and first half of games. They're, they're top five in, in pass rate. So it's kind of, you know, obviously we've seen a lot of them this year. They get up, they're super efficient first half. They go up early They you know, they're the best team. I think at scoring on their first drive in the NFL this year, they get up early and they run the ball a ton of the second half. Uh, interesting thing about the Eagles offense this week, 
are we worried about Jalen Hurts' shoulder at all? I know there's been a little bit of talk and rumor of, you know, he hasn't had to do a ton. Obviously, last week, the, you know, the, the game was over. They were able to to, to rush a ton and, and not worry about having to push the ball downfield. They didn't have to do that against the Giants either because they had so much success running the ball. But we've only seen him play the Giants twice and now last week against San Francisco uh, in a game that was a little out of hand. And, and early on in that game, he did have a couple airmails on those throws. And was that more big game pressure, NFC Championship for Jalen Hurts? Or is it a shoulder problem? So it's interesting to see. We do have, you know, injuries to both quarterbacks that we have to see shaking out here. Uh, I, I totally agree with you when, with Spags, you know, and what he's going to have to do <clears throat> mixing up coverages. They had played more man coverage this year than they have previously over the past, you know, time under him. <clears throat> but his background is the zone blitz. And I think that that is exactly what they can do to go back to, you know, to change a tendency that Phillies, if they're looking at tape from this year, uh, okay, their tendency is to play man more, but how much do you want to line up again, young, smaller corners, especially up against a dude like AJ Brown on the outside? I don't think you want to be lining up in that opportunity too many times. Spags can, you know, get back to the zone blitz background that he has. It's what Hurts will struggle with the most because if, you know, pressure does get through past that Philly offensive line, which is going to be a problem, when he's looking to get out of the pocket and run, now you have eyes on him from the linebackers and safeties and whoever's staying in instead of a bunch of corners backs running and chasing down the field. So I think that uh, absolutely, you know, if they're trying to be, you know, tendency break from, from what their numbers are this season, I think Spags is going to absolutely get back to zone blitzing. And like you said, confusion at the line before pressure, unlike Kansas city on the offense, who they like to do a bunch of pre-snap motion and are constantly moving guys around Philly kind of lines up and is usually staying, you know, how they're lined up. So Kansas city will then have opportunities to bounce their players around uh, you know, shift the line in different ways at the last second to um, to make an impact and confusion on the offense. So I, I totally agree with you there. Um, I just see yeah, Philly on the offensive side, like you said, Goddard over the middle is going to have to be I, – I think he can win his one-on-ones. Uh, definitely I have a couple of props, props that match up perfectly with what we're talking about for later for him. Um, I don't know how much Jalen Hurts is going to have to throw the ball this game. Um, you know, said so he's not good in third and longs, but – They've, you know, both of these offenses have succeeded at trying to just avoid third downs this year. They're really good at getting ahead of the sticks and not getting into third down situations. Um, or if they do, again, third and shorts, fourth and shorts, and we'll use the best and most successful play in the NFL this season, which is quarterback sneak with Jalen Hurts. So um, <laughs> if we ever get to that spot, they'll be fine there. So uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I think Miles Sanders is going to have to be huge this game. Um, a lot throughout the season, we've seen him, obviously, second half. Again, same situation. They're up big. They're running the ball a ton. So they start to work in Boston Scott and they work in uh, Kenny Gainwell. Oh, Kenny G back there. So, but I think that since this is the last game of the year and you don't have to save Sanders for anything more, I think he's going to get a lot of run as well. Uh, but I think that they can be super efficient. Uh, you know, again, he'll have to get his time out on a long drive. He's ran the ball a few times, but I think he's going to get the majority of the work in this game as Miles Sanders. I think one of the things that you look at when you send blitzes, that's on the quarterback. It's on the quarterback to make a play because the O-line cannot account for everybody uh, unless, of course, they have somebody in pass blocking at the running back position. But it's mostly on the quarterback to make a big, big, quick decision. When it's simulated pressure, it's on the O-line. It's four guys coming at you from all different directions when you've got seven guys lined up on the line. How are you going to – who's blocking who? I think that's the best way that Spags is going to be able to exploit this. Now, Hertz might be able to get out of the pocket. He's been really good scrambling, really good scrambling on his passes down this, this year. But like you said, 
how much I almost agree with you. It's like, how much are they going to actually pass? I think they want to test maybe Kansas City up front to say, can you stop our RPO game? Can Are you fast enough? Are you strong enough inside? If we just double Chris Jones the entire game, are you going to be able to have somebody else to make an impact? Nick Bolton might be one of the key stars here, one of the better linebackers and more underrated linebackers in the league. He might be a maybe a guy to watch. Here, if he can make tackles and he doesn't get swallowed up, he's not exactly like the biggest guy. He's a very, very fast, hard-hitting linebacker, though, and he hits the hole hard. Very kind of similar to to a Fred Warner in a lot of ways. So um, this is an interesting matchup. You're right, uh, and and it, it has to be met with it's brawn. It's what can it's what Philly does. It's it's brawn versus brains in a lot of this way and a lot of this way for this matchup. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, we talked about the Philly offensive line as being, you know, as far as a unit in the NFL, if we're breaking it down by, like, units or rooms, like, one of the best rooms that we always say, like, in the NFL. So it is the quite literally the hardest nut to, nut to crack in this game is how can we get through the Philly offensive line, uh, whether it's, you know, stopping the rushing game, the rushing attack, or being able to get pressure on Jalen Hurts when he does drop back. Well, that's that's uh, Mrs. Kelsey's green side. Now she's going to turn over to the red side and their offense because Kansas City and Philly, really the juicy matchup is the KC offense versus the Philly defense. The number one rated passing offense DVOA versus the number one rated passing defense DVOA should be very exciting. But I think we all want to know how good actually is Kansas City's offense? Well, let's put it this way. Philadelphia ranks second EPA per drive on offense this year. But the gap between Kansas City's number one ranked offense and EPA per drive from Philly's offense is the equivalent to Philly's offense in EPA per drive between them in second place and the Browns in 17th. That's how wide that gap is. It's the same exact way. So what Kansas City as number one to Philly number two, Philly is to number two as Philly, Cleveland is the 17th. That's an unbelievable gap. So by far the best pass, pass offense in the league, not even close. Now we talked about how, how Kansas City was able to do that without Tyreek Hill last week. And what did we talk about? Multiple tight end sets, 12 personnel, 13 personnel a ton right philly is one of the best defenses in the league against these formations however they performed well below their season average in terms of dvoa and epa per drive well below their season average in the four games that they gave up 30 points or more i do think it will take 30 points for the kansas city chiefs to win this game i really do because philadelphia will not perform well if that's what we see given up now the play-action game is how they're going to do this. Kansas City could be particularly effective with Travis Kelsey, of course, and his ability to get yards after the catch because we know the Philly linebackers are the most vulnerable part of their defense. They are just not big, and they're relatively not that quick. That is the kind of weak chain, weak chain, weak link in the chain for this dominant defense. Now, Philly runs mostly cover three out of that base defense, or what we call a variation called cover six, which is quarter, quarter, half, 
one corner, one corner gets a quarter of the field, the safety gets a quarter of the field, and then the other safety gets a half of the field. So it's kind of a variation of the cover three. Now, you usually in cover three expect corners to drop much deeper in coverage. And that opens up the door for two players to make a lot of headway in the passing game, Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco. This is something that Mahomes has gone to a lot, a lot, a lot this season, especially McKinnon. Going underneath, he has been much more patient than he has in the last few years, and this is setting up for a big receiving day for McKinnon and really Pacheco as well, even though Pacheco doesn't catch as many balls. These multiple tight end sets are what Kansas City uses to make its offense go. They are fourth in EPA per dropback out of these formations, 12 and 13. And it also mitigates the Philadelphia pass rush by getting the ball out so quickly. It's, it's really almost foolproof. Now, Kansas City is also going to use their RPO game pretty heavy to exploit the five rushers that Philadelphia likes to throw at them. But here's my question. If Philly throws four rushers at Andy Reid's offense instead of five, how patient is Andy Reid to keep running the football? That's what I want to know. If Philly drops back, hey, we'll get seven in coverage, we'll let you run the football. Is Andy Reid going to do it? I don't know. Maybe with that bum ankle, he might be more inclined to do so to hand the ball off to Pacheco. Not sure. But this may not matter, honestly, because since week 10, the in terms of defensive success rate against 12 and 13 personnel, the Eagles are 19th in the league. That's since week 10. Remember, that's significant because Linval Joseph and Jordan Davis came back. Talked about the rushing success rate last week. But since last, since that time, against double tight end and triple tight end sets, they're not that good. And the Chiefs also know that the Philly defense hasn't faced any good quarterbacks. Of the four best quarterbacks they faced this year, they were 15th in EPA per dropback. There's names like Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, to name a few. So quarterbacks that are the four best quarterbacks they face, maybe not the greatest, at least in the top 12 of, I think, uh, EPA per drive. Now, where I think the game is won and lost, obviously, third down. Third and long in particular. The Kansas City offense converted 45% of their third and longs. That's third and seven or longer. That is way far better than anybody else. Philadelphia's defense on third and long was also number one in the league, just 16% conversion rate. But again, with the lack of the quarterback quality they faced, that may hide that number a little bit. Regardless, this is the rub matchup right there. Kansas City has not faced this good of a defense. Philadelphia has not faced this good of a quarterback. Something's got to give yeah, this this matchup is, is super exciting to me here. Again, I think I think there's been a lot of talk about the Philly defense and obviously the pass rush. Pat, you know, you had four guys on the on that defense that had ten plus sacks, and they're they're just shy of uh, of the eighty six Bears for you know the most sacks in the season, obviously with an extra game, but uh, seventy sacks in the regular season for them this year. So I think the immediate comparison is you could think back to the the, the Bucks and, and Chiefs Super Bowl where again, that Super Bowl was won by the defense and that defensive line getting after Mahomes and, and, and taking away the deep shot and making him hold the ball. But as you said, over the past couple of years, they have changed this offense. Um, they, they've taken it, you know, they've, they've had to adjust to what defense has started doing to them, which is mostly that that cover two shell that, um, you know, again, taking away deep shots in the deep passing game for the Chiefs, which is kind of what they were known for and, and found out about. But if you look at this past season, while Mahomes hit, 
you know, while he had lowest, his lowest numbers of his career in, in, a, in an air yards per attempt and average depth of target, he had his highest completion percentage, most passing yards, and their yards after a catch as a team went up exponentially, absolutely exponentially from, from their previous seasons. So they have adjusted to this. And again, I, I think it's exactly what you talk about where that helps mitigate the pass rush. And you're not now, you know, looking and having Mahomes hold the ball for longer um, and, and get, get sacked and get taken down um, like he was in that Tampa Bay Super Bowl. I think things are going to be very different in this one. Um, you mentioned about the heavy tight end sense. I have one quick stat on them is, is that from, from Benjamin Solak, the Chiefs 13 personnel is the number one personnel grouping of any team in the NFL in EPA per play. Like the best of anything. Because again, he just it's they get to have Kelsey on the field in a bunch where again you're you're hiding him with a bunch of other guys, but a bunch of other 87s, mixing them around, sliding them around in the formation. You get to hide him a little better. They get to use play action out of it, at, you know, coming off the run, and they get some serious speed at receiver uh, against against a heavier unit on the defense. So I think that 100% that is going to be the opportunity for for the Chiefs. And then you mentioned it as far as the backs, uh, Isaiah Pacheco averaging only, I believe, 0.9 catches per game. He is not the, the pass catching back at all. There's a chance he will, you know, he's going to be in there more. He probably will have opportunities to, to catch the ball a little bit more, but obviously he is very much primarily the the rushing back while McKinnon is the passing down back. But again, with the injuries to ride receiver, we were still not sure if, if uh, Juju's going to play. Uh, we know that Michael Harper's already out. Uh, but Juju is still questionable. You could see both of them on the field at the same time, whether both of the backfield or splitting and beginning out, you know, kind of, again, moving him in motion and, and sliding him all over the place. So uh, I, I think that Travis Kelsey, and again, the Eagles, Travis Kelsey is going to win. I know it's like the game plan clearly yeah. for the Eagles is going to be, how do we limit him? And what, you know, what are we doing to him willing to, it, it, you can only be so much willing to play single coverage on the outside, you know, with guys, they still have speed on that team with MBS and with Sky Moore. Um, you know, to, to play against those corners. Um, but Kelsey's going to win. It's just a matter of how much Philly can limit how much he's going to win. That's a good point. And one of the things that Ted Nguyen pointed out in his article was when Cincinnati went to double coverage on Kelsey, you know what Andy Reid did? Kept him in the block. He yeah. kept him in the block. He took two, two uh, cover guys away, basically. It was extreme. It was brilliant. And they would run MVS on these deep crossers. They'd get them. I mean, especially on third and longs. You know, you'd see those big things. I think that this, especially if it's against Marcus Epps, who is the weakest link on the Philly defense, that safety. If they go after him and something like that, oh boy. I mean, this is, this is really the rub. Like we are talking about, yes, the Eagles are absolutely the best team total. I agree with you. But Mahomes flips the script on a lot of the stuff. And it's not just Mahomes. It's the scheme of Andy Reid. Yeah, I said that, that's in general. Like what, what you can hear a lot about this week is, again, you could look at the full 52 roster. And, yeah, every position outside of, again, you could say probably tight end and quarterback, every position you're, you're going to, like, there's a probably Eagles player that's better than the Chiefs in, in those lineups. But, but 15 – 1587 and Andy Reid on the other side, it just changes. It's the whole thing. You could take those three versus again, the better 52 man roster. And they're still going to have a chance in this game. Like it's still, mm -hmm. this is still an amazing matchup. It's going to be incredibly close. And as again, I, I think the Eagles defense is maybe being talked about higher than, 
than than what they should be on as far as the season. Because wow. again, the quality of a well, just here you said it too. The quality of a you know, it's a very good unit. But like the quality, you know, there's big big vulnerabilities here. There is big weaknesses. And with Andy Reid, it, 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 with two weeks to prepare, I, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to have success against it. This is not going to look like them against the Bucks, where they had no. a really hard time being stuck in Bud. Well, the reason was, and we talked about that at the time, the Bucks went like this. See this box? See the middle of the field? You ain't coming in it. Everything's going to the outside. They forced everything. All the passes were either deep shots or to the sideline. That was it. They said, we will control the middle of the field. It's very different now. They want to check down. They want to, you know, go down to Kelsey and let him create space underneath. Like they want to get out in the flats and run. They want to do bubble screens. They want to throw it to the running backs. Like they weren't doing that back then. And the reason was Tyreek Hill. It was the whole reason. So this is a very different scheme. This will test Jonathan Gannon more than he's ever been tested. I'm, this is going to be a really, really interesting game to see how good is Jonathan Gannon as a defensive coordinator because he could get exposed really easily. I am well again this is how I'm feeling about this game and it feels like you are too like it I think both of these teams are going to have success in offense. Like I, I, I don't I don't see this being a again a defensive stalemate. I, I think that both of these both the coaching on both sides with two weeks prepare are going to be able to again get their best players the ball and they're going to be able to win these matchups that they know that they can win. Like I there agree. is absolutely opportunities for both of these coaches to scheme up stuff. Uh, that is just going to be great. It's going to be awesome. offense. I think it really will. It will be offensive football. I think we took the over last year. I can't remember. I think we took the over cause it was like 48 last year. Cause we were like, Oh, Rams bangles. I think you were an under guy actually, but I guess um, yeah, I, ha- I have, I have, I have my whole, again, I put the sheet together from last year. I just copied my, you know, copied the formatting from last, from last year. Let me see if I can. I know I was definitely an over guy uh, with this and the Rams bangles. Cause I was just excited about Burrow and Stafford and cup and all this stuff. But this year I really do think that it definitely will go over. That's that's I, I'm starting to feel that way. And, and, you know, spoiler alert on that, but did yeah, you I was, on, I was on first quarter. I was on first quarter under and first half under first half under yeah. hit. First half under hit and real obviously the full game hit right because it was twenty three twenty or twenty seven twenty three. Uh, yeah, I didn't have the full game, so I'm not sure, but I think yeah, I believe it oh. did. Okay, um, so that's it. That that is what this game breaks down to, and all that, and we're gonna give you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I want to mention one thing again. We we didn't talk about again. You you say it's at the third phase of the game, really. You know, twelve. Yeah, no, we should talk teams. about this. Yeah, Philadelphia doesn't have a punter. Philadelphia, we don't really know. Who is going to be punting the ball for them? This could be a massive, massive. Again, that was part of the reason why, like, San Francisco almost had, like, even kind of a shot. Like, they were punting horrifically in, in the NFC Championship mm-hmm. game. And then you also have Jake Elliott, who were, you know, worried about, like, kicking field goals. Like, I don't have a lot of confidence in Jake Elliott. And I also, I guess I also don't really have a lot of confidence in, in Bucker on the other side. But again, as far as the punting game goes, uh, the, the Chiefs with Townsend have a massive, massive punting advantage to flip the field. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. With Townsend and, and with Sky Moore. There's no question about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if if he gets his hand on the ball, I mean, we saw how it all went down. You know, look out. But, I mean, you know, I, I'm pretty sure there was an article that came out kind of stating that these are like the two worst teams in special teams in the league. I, I'm, really? I'm almost positive about that. They're both really bad. 
I know I know Buckers had a, a pretty bad kicking season, I believe. Again, yeah. I think he like led the you know, outside of uh Joseph for the Vikings, I think he was second worst and missed extra points this season. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, as as far as I know, uh the, the, these two teams are just not very good at all offensively. And we knew Buckers struggles. Ellie, I haven't really heard much of that uh, about where he's at with his kicking this year. In fact, I'll just look it up real quick because I probably should have looked it up before this. But uh, but no, I I, I do. Th- do you think that will impact the game? You know, in a certain like that much where it's flipping, or do you think these offenses are just going to go? Well, that's I I think you're going to see so much more. I mean, we already have two I think pretty aggressive head coaches, so I think you're going to see you know that middle of the field, that no man's land middle of the field, we're going to see tons of going forward on, 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 on fourth downs. Uh, even if it's, we're talking like fourth and five on the you know, 50, I think we'll still be going for, you know, they're, mm. they're going to be going for it in those pushing spots. And then I, I could even see it again. If do we want to take a, a do we want to take a 48 yard field goal attempt or do we want to try and get this fourth and fourth and four, you know, I think there's right. going to be a little bit of that as well. So I think you'll see a lot of aggressive nature out of that. I think you can, uh, you know, again, if that, if that, as you talk about game theory here, as we talk, when we talk game theory like this, this is how you then have to populate how you're betting these props that we're going to get into a little bit. As is now, this is how we think the game is going to shape. How can we now relay this to something we could bet in the prop market? So, um, again, you could be talking about uh, successful fourth down conversions or how many successful fourth down conversions and over under on that um, and different props that you could find. So, I would say, again, I would, I would lean that. Um, if there's any punter props, again, we're going to lean. Kansas City, as far as you know, maybe maybe longest net punt. There might be a uh, there might be a prop uh, bet for that where you could bet Eagles or Chiefs longest net punt. Definitely bet the Chiefs. They'll probably be heavily juiced. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not be betting any field goal overs. I think I would bet unders wow. on field goal if anything, because again, I think these are head coaches. So, uh, just a quick thing. I just want to we had to cover special teams because again, there's some things to think about with props there. Um, because again, there's some fun ones to bet with between field goals and punters and things. And in in terms of field goals, uh the Chiefs are tied for 30th in field goal percentage. They only made 75% of their kicks this season. Eagles were at uh, 88%, which was, I think, in the top 15. However, these these two teams are the number 31 and 30 teams, tied for 30 at the Eagles, in field goals made. They have kicked 20 field goals for the Chiefs, 21 for the Eagles. So it wow. is not a, they have not attempted a lot of field goals. They have not made a lot of field goals. So especially Bucker. Bucker 75% on the year, and I think he missed a couple of games too. So not good. Gonna, gonna get right into a first prop right now. I mean, if you want to look at that, go for it. Right now, you can look at total total field goals made in the game. It's set at two and a half. The under is plus one forty-five. I know it's again. I don't hate two and a half. You're, you're only thinking three field goals, but again, I think aggressive nature with these teams, and we both think that the offense. Again, I think that there's going to be teams down deep in the red zone, and the threat. I mean, as far as the Eagles go, again, you got to always remember who's on the other side, and you can't be Sirianni's not going to be happy with field goals down in the red zone. They're gonna they're, they're gonna put their faith in the offense, and then as far as Andy Reid going, he's going. Well, I have Mahomes. I'm gonna put my faith in him yeah. instead of this guy Bucker to take it. You know, a 20 yard field goal, even if again, I, I you know you get to like a fourth and you know long with a sack or whatever like that. But again, I would look under in those field goals at a plus number. We're we're gonna be plus side hunting on this show. Is always what we're trying to do As with props. So uh, again, I know everybody's probably look. That's probably one of those ones you look at and you go two and a half. Like of course it's gonna be three field goals, but when you dig and look at these teams, the two worst field goal kicking teams of the, of the 
NFL. No. The books are not your friend. <laughs> and they're they are not. not your friend. They're not your friend. They know what they're doing. Uh, Maddie, should we get into it? Should we get into some of the more fun we props? Just, I just I just peeked in the door there. I just I'm yeah, you, kick it. Let's kick in the door. Come on, let's get after it. Because I know you're gonna have about six different props that are gonna either hit or miss before the game even starts. So I'll let you take it from here, my friend. I was going to say, do we want to do we want to stick with game props right now, and then we can get to the the pregame and the postgame later, or do we want sure. to work through chronologically chronological order how you know, we, how these are going to fire away? Part of me is like, you know what? Let's start with the first chapter. Let's start with let's start with the pregame, you start know, because that's the most fun. There's there's two bets pregame every year that you're going to put it. You're going to bet the coin toss, and you're going to bet the national anthem. Those are the two. I mean, there's plenty of other ones you can do. You know, you can bet. You know, so we got Chris Stapleton singing the national anthem. You can bet what color he's going to be wearing. Is he going to have a guitar? You know, there's a bunch of other stuff, but these are the two standards. Uh, coin toss, quick history of the coin toss. After last year, we did have a, we had a heads win last year. We're closing, closing in back to 50 50 heads or tails. Uh, it is currently 29 heads, or sorry, co- sorry, excuse me, 29 tails and 27 heads throughout the Super Bowl history of 56 Super Bowls. So I think last year we did that again out of probability. I believe we were riding heads saying, Yes. Three behind, they're t- they're 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 tailing tails. Uh, so we were expecting them to catch up. We're still behind, so maybe we can maybe we're going to lean heads again this year. But I do have an inkling. I feel like I'm going back to tails never fails. What do you think, Dan? Where are we riding this year? You're going to go back to trying to even it out 50-50? Listen, I've done the same thing every year. Matthew Slater does heads every time. I'm doing Matthew Slater does heads. Right. I'm always been heads. I'll continue to go heads. This is literally the only real 50-50 bet in this entire show and this entire Super Bowl is, is heads or tails. So it, you said it's 29-27. I mean, what are the odds of that? I have heard some people try to talk about the science of quarters and that heads is actually more probable because of the weight uh, that it's carved. But this is not a quarter. It's a commemorative coin. So I'm going heads. I think, you know, I, I'm going to ride with heads too again. I, I think we got to ride it out. We got to even out history. It's 50-50 chance and we're trailing. So, you know, we're, we're going to get it back to even. I want to know um, what Lewis thinks about that one. Lou, heads or tails? Tails never fails, gentlemen. Tail is oldest. I see. I, it's, it's such, I know. It's just a classic <laughs> saying, but it feels like, again, we always try and go up against Joe Public, right? Everybody Joe Public says tails never fail. So we got to take heads. Heads um, is my favorite. Um, Next, obviously, we have one of Dan and my favorite singers singing the national anthem this year, mm. Chris Stapleton. Um, very jealous. You got to see that man play at Red Rocks. Maybe the best possible concert you could imagine. I wish I saw uh, it at Red Rocks. I was, oh, I, thought Clarks- were- I was at Clarkston, Michigan, uh-huh. but it was still amazing. The guy did a rendition of Freebird to start one of his songs. It was the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, that's what you'll get to. If you dig into Chris Stapleton, you're going to hear that. Uh, he's very soulful, uh, a little Memphis soul who's going to stretch this son of a gun out. I'm mm. telling you what uh, the, the total right now is set at 125 and a half seconds, uh, which in other words is two minutes and five seconds, um, two minutes and five and a half seconds. So there has been a little bit of line movement. Again, we are current. I'm currently in Connecticut who is not allowing us to bet this, but again, as, as I'm looking around, most books still have this at uh, two minutes and five seconds. History tells us that most have not gone over this mark. The only time we've seen this go over this mark uh, recently was when we had the duet a couple of years ago. And then we had Alicia Keys went way over it with like two minutes, 30 seconds. 
uh, when she had the piano. And I, I rewatch again. I, I go back and re- start to rewatch some of these because you got to see why it happened. And she, she, she basically reprise, she, did she reprise it? She like did. She, she, yeah, she, she went like for she went again with it, and that was it added like fifteen. She would have been way over this mark anyway. But uh, we, and we've seen again last night, uh, last year, this line was set super low. They're usually set more around uh, like the ninety-five second mark. Uh, you know, nowhere, you know, more around like the, the minute and a half to a minute forty-five mark. Uh, and this is the first year in a while that we've seen the book go really, really high on this one. And again, I it made me immediately think, okay, we haven't seen them set this high. Uh, in, in quite a few years so instead of trying to maybe play it by the singer himself just going on value and maybe they've been sick of getting burned on this on this over for year after year now uh that they had to set it overly high and go under but i just gotta stick with my gut chris stapleton i know he's gonna be up there with guitar he's gonna stretch it out uh there's no evidence of him playing this anywhere on youtube we've scoured the interwebs we cannot find uh any previous renditions of him doing the national anthem so we have nothing to go off of there I got to go with my gut here. I got to go with over two minutes and five seconds. It feels high. It feels long. But again, he is, he has meant this soul. And if you know Chris Stapleton, he, he's going to slow it down uh, and really kind of hit it. And again, if he does have a guitar, you worry he might try to be on tempo and be, you know, sped up a little bit. But I also, he could kind of pause for a little bit, maybe just pluck that thing in the middle of the scene. I could see him going trying to maybe a little Jimi Hendrix at one point and just maybe oh. go and drop, drop in the words and hitting the guitar. So oh. I don't know what he's going to do. He is a magician up there. So, but I have to lean with it. I hope I'm not getting suckered. We're going with the over here. He is like the shaman of country music, isn't he? I mean, he's just like up there. He's got feathers in his hats. He's a big bearded man living in the woods. I mean, he's just like that. And, and with the soulful, I can definitely see that. Now I have probably seen more conspiracy videos about this, prop than anything on the internet this week there is one that did scare me typically you would think okay this is chris stapleton he turns every song into like a jam like just an absolute just rip roaring guitar twiddling session however he is a country music fan there's a country music guy and country music guys what do they do they respect america and not that other people don't, but still, there was one national anthem that was by a country music singer, and it was Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan did it in like a minute 50. He got through it and whipped through it. And, you know, I was thinking about that, and I'm like, you know, that is actually a really good point that, you know, they just want to keep it clean. They just want to keep it clean and American and do it that way. However, I do like your thinking on this because I think that, again, this is a different cat. He's not always country. He's written a lot of stuff for JT, Justin Timberlake. He's, he's a producer. He likes the showmanship part of it. And he's got a wicked raspy voice that he's going to want to wail on. So I'm going to go over 125 and a half as well. Yeah, I don't even know if it's a showmanship. That's the thing. It's like everybody's like calling him country. And it's just like. I don't know. He's not. I don't. I don't view him as country like the other again, like like a Luke Bryan. He's I, I not. just. It's it's very different. It's it's he's much outlaw. More, he's it's outlaw. Much more rock. soul too. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 again more uh, an older school soulful Southern rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, I just I could he, his ability to stretch notes too. I think is is uh, is is one of his greatest talents. And I think again, it's just something that other people you can't apply to him. So I we're agree. going over. We're going to be rebel rebels here along with Chris Stapleton. Sweet. Okay, so now we have sung the anthem, we flipped the coin, we've decided the game. 
Are you going to be betting touchback at all, Dan? I think the touchback, I didn't pull ah. it up as far as that. It's, it's usually always a touchback. I think it's super high up to be, you know, you could take the risk on it not being a touchback, which I think it didn't go last year. I believe it was not a touchback on the opening kick last year, but uh, I, I'm avoiding that one. First play of the game. Now, what I have written on our sheet here is a little different than what I actually just saw on FanDuel earlier as I was trying to see. I hadn't saw, uh, seen this on there uh, when I was making this list, but I had found uh, earlier that first play from scrimmage, run being minus 120 and pass being 105. But as I look now on FanDuel, I see run being minus 172 and pass being plus 140. Do they not know that this is a pass-heavy league? And we have two. Again, I think that both these teams might lean more to run the ball, but I think there's got to be value on the chance of a a pass being plus 142. I think I'm going to take a little sprinkle on that, on a taste on that one, Dan. Here's my thinking on that. If the Chiefs have the football, I think actually you got to flip your head and flip your script. I think this. Chiefs have the football, it's a run. If the Eagles have the football, I think they go a little hook out, hook pattern out to Devontae Smith, something or other like that, and just, just to get a positive play going and pick up five, six yards on that play. I, I do like that one a lot. Plus, both these teams are on the RPO. So this is very, very tough. I won't have anything on this, but that would be my lead. I, I have to. I think I agree with you there. As far as again, the team being, I think the Eagles would have a pass first, but the Chiefs, I think, they need to need to establish the run this game. Um, a couple of firsts. I want to just throw this one out there again. You got the list in front of you. Any of these appealing to you as far as a first scoring method where you could bet again, <laughs> either team specifically, or you could just bet a touchdown field goal, uh, safety being the first score. You could do you know Kansas City touchdown field goal. Uh, the race to 10 points, who would you take in the race? Or do you have any interest in the first type of turnover in the game? Uh, no turnover being 850 if there's no turnover at all. Fumble being plus 150 or interception minus 145. Any of those particularly your fancy? Uh, none of those, but I, I will say um, I will say that there is one on here that I do like, and I'm not sure if I'm overstepping here with your order. Okay. I like – successful two-point conversion yes yes i think that that is going to be a again like you said they will push the envelope on fourth down uh especially fourth and goal if it's in a situation i think these are two teams not afraid to do that Sirianni is just foot in the gas the whole time and i think that we could get in a situation where we could see if there's an extra point missed I think, and again, like I said, Bucker and the Chiefs kickers have not been good on the extra points. Um, I think that we could see some, I believe they're under 90% on extra points this year, uh, the Chiefs. So I kind of like the extra point conversion, and I love the creativity that those guys do, especially on goal line offense and especially Andy Reid. So I'm going to go two-point conversion successful plus plus 230. Trying to see, yeah, I'm trying to see if I can make sure that that is where that's at now. Um, and it's definitely something that I, I, I would be interested in betting too, I think. Uh, see, will there be a two point? Wow, just for there to be a two point attempt is a plus 110, and then to get it successful is plus 225. Like so, again, so the successful is right around that same number, plus 230. So, but even for just there to be an attempt is, is, is plus 110. So, you know, once you see them line up, you know what I mean? You're, you're the bets one, your stress is over. So oh boy. <laughs> uh, I think that that being a plus number, that's fantastic. I think we're going to have to, we're going to queue that one up now for a little bit. Uh, away, later. I, and I also agree again, another, another one of these experts that we listen to and pull some information for the shows are fantastic is, is Simon Hunter. 
and I think he highlighted kind of a good a good part about possibly betting if there will be a safety in this game. Again, this is usually one mm-hmm. that you might see a lot of sharp betters um, really pile up on the heavily juiced no, because again, the odds that there would be a safety back in these games was was very low. But with the aggressive nature of these head coaches, with maybe you know wanting to push it there on fourth downs inside the goal line on a fourth and one play, we could definitely see some teams backed up on their own one or two yard line if they are able to get a stop on defense and then trying to turn around the other way. And then again, you know, you get the Chiefs backed up on the goal line. They're going to be Eagles are going to be bringing the pressure. And same with the Eagles, you know, maybe the Eagles aren't quite able to run one out. So I, I think taking a chance at, at, at uh, ten to one odds on on a safety. Again, throwing a little bit down on that, I think it is actually a decent chance this year. Normally in the past, it wouldn't be. So two-point conversions and safeties, all sorts of two-point scoring plays on our betting card for this Super Bowl. That's a um, tough I, one. That's a tough one because remember back in – there was a time where there was three years in a row we had a safety in the Super Bowl in 2011, 2012, right at the end on the punt with the Ravens and 49ers. And then we had the first play of the game, obviously, with Seahawks and Broncos. So there was three in a row. My issue with that one is I don't hate it, but I would like it better if there was a coach like that, like a Harbaugh or a Tomlin or a Belichick that was in this game that would be willing to do something kind of nutty like that to either take a safety on purpose or maybe get back up on the goal line. So I don't know. That one's a little tricky, but I commend the juice. The juice is lovely. The juice, and like I said, we we did touch quickly on some um, some field goal stuff. Like I said, I think we are. I'm definitely going to be on the under two and a half at plus one forty five. And then if we're talking punts over here, um, you've got seven and a half is the line for punts over being plus one forty, under being uh, minus one ninety. And I, I would have to agree again. I, that's too much juice for me to lay. But again, mm-hmm. I would definitely be on the side of under seven and a half. That feels like maybe if you can move that, maybe if you could find where you can move it down to six and a half for less juice. I would even be inclined to do that because, uh, again, it just does not feel like a game that either of these coaches want to do a heck of a lot of punting in this one. Um, oh, Lou, I got one for you here. Liz, I got to get to this next one on the list for Lou, and then we're going to get right into some anytime touchdown scores, which, uh, again, for two guys, I think there's going to be some scoring. Anytime touchdown score is going to be a very fun section of the prop list that we can get to. But, but Lou... This one goes out for you and and your NFL referee friends. Uh, we did, we we did we did find out that uh, again your boy Carl Sheffers, who uh, leads you know you get him first every year in your 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 fantasy refs draft. Uh, he led the league again second year in a row, second year in a row for Carl Sheffers. Give him the give him the plaque for most penalties a game. Uh, he averages twelve point five nine penalties a game, slowing these games down. The over under right now for penalties accepted. Uh, the accepted penalties uh, committed is set at 10. You can bet the over for even money right now, Lou. Big Think Carl? Carl Sheffer's going to be able to be able to get the flag out there enough times? Big Carl? Big big flag throwing Carl? Oh, that he's got to get his numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. That's way too low. Fire it. Fire away. Oh, it's only 10? He's going to throw 10. It's only 10. Light work. <laughs> he's going to get that <laughs> yeah, you, in the first half. Good Lord. So we, we know we know Lou's going to lose all over that one. Lou's going to be all over the flag. What's in this funny game. is somehow, some way, when I looked over this earlier, I that one just didn't that one didn't register me. You had it out here, you know, on the list. I looked at everything yeah, else. I had, that I had it right there for you. Yeah. Watch or watch Orlando Brown in this game grab like crazy. I think he'll <laughs> grab like a mother on Hassan Reddick. I absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, all right. Now let's get into it. Before we get into specific player props, well, I guess we're kind of dipping in our toe into there, but 
Um, before we get into yardages, I just I love anytime touchdown and I love first time touchdown here, Dan. Um, mm, anybody okay. pop out to you uh, for early values that you see for first time touchdown or anytime touchdown that you're going to play around? With I, I'm not a big first time touchdown guy. It's it, you know, of course, if I'm going to go into that, I'm going to pick three or four because the juice is so high. But it's just such a crapshoot sometimes. You know, it's difficult for me. So I I like anytime touchdown. Uh, that's where I'm at. Um, and then the ones that I do like for anytime touchdown, I'm not crazy juiced up. Like I'm not like when I'm looking at this down here, I'm looking at, you know, anything maybe 300 or under, uh, you know, maybe I think about a, a Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell, uh, especially Boston Scott's and really well, specifically against the giants. He's at plus five fifty. but in terms of ones that I'll probably play, uh, because there are no other receivers in the game, I'm going to take MVS uh, at plus 240 to score. Now, he's only got two touchdowns on the year, but I do think if there's a big play exposed that he's going to be the guy to benefit from it. So I'm going to take MVS plus 240, and then the other one I like, um, and he'll be a theme for me, I think Dallas Goddard to score a touchdown at plus 175. I, I really, really think that there's a chance that they can really expose – that can't be on the goal line. Uh, that's going to need to be like beyond the 10 yard line for that to happen. But I do think, think there's a good possibility that Goddard could score. Okay. I definitely like your rationale with both of those. I agree. I think the, uh, the secondary Philly running backs, again, like we said, Miles Sanders will be in for 90% of the drive. They, they take a 12 play drive down the field. And he's got to tap the helmet, get some oxygen. That's when Boston Scott or Kenny G comes into punch. So I, I like both <laughs> those guys. That's just a matter of tiredness. Uh, I'll do any time touching before I get into a few guys. Again, I'm taking a few shots on first time because that is, that's the first real the rush of games yep. is trying to spot the number of who gets that first one. Uh, I'm taking Travis Kelsey. This, it's the least juiciest. He's the biggest favorite, but Travis Kelsey, he's minus 115 on FanDuel right now. He scored a touchdown in his last five playoff games. And he has scored a touchdown in 11 of his last 15 playoff games. They know where to go when the time matters most. Bet and bet a full unit on him. And then I'm sprinkling a couple of smaller half units on the guys who they might be using. Uh, Travis Kelsey as more of a decoy. Dan, you said it before. They like to do that in coverage. I think that's a perfect opportunity to do it, do it down in the red zone. 13 mm. personnel. I will be taking a little bit of money on Jody Fortson. Uh, who, who gets in there? Who gets in there That's in those thirteen awesome. personnel packages? Yes, two touchdowns this season. Uh, I think it's the perfect opportunity again. Come off the line, Kelsey is going to be immediately drawing all the attention, hands up, flagging defense this way, and that's the great opportunity when Fortson's going to maybe boot around the other way and 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 again, you know, play action for Mahomes. So I think Jody Fortson plus twelve hundred, uh, you know, twelve to one odds uh, on, on anytime touchdown. And I'm also taking Sky Moore for the same reason. I think Sky Moore, anytime touchdown, plus 1,200. Mm -hmm. Speed guy. He's, he is their their best speed weapon with Nico Hardman not playing. Him, and you could say McKinnon, but uh, Sky Moore has got electric speed. So I could see them doing some maybe some crazy plays with him. Um, and again, also the punting opportunity, the, the punt return opportunity as well. Yeah, that's you know, true. Being, being in, that op, in that avenue as well. So going super high, uh, you know, super long shots with those two. Uh, but then taking Travis Kelsey for more of a safe option. And then first time touchdown score, I will also be taking the two favorites here, Travis Kelsey at plus 650. And I will also do a little bit of Jalen Hurts at plus 800. They have led their teams in, in, in 
scoring a touchdown first for the team this season by a significant margin. Uh, so I think taking, again, the juice on him is so big. I will take both the favorites. I also have Jody Fortson in there again. He is 660 to one to be the first time touchdown. So again, literally five dollars will get you 300 on Jody Fortson's first touchdown. So that's one we're really sweating this year. And then I had another one, a good one from Chris Raybon, uh, another guy at the Action Network. We like Zach Pascal. Zach Pascal's gotten in. Really? I actually have him for I have him for anytime touchdown as well. I, I didn't write that down, but he has been in on more snaps recently than Quez Watkins uh, because he's in on more rushing rush blocking he's a far better blocker than than quez Watkins. we saw him get more snaps against the giants when they were super rush heavy um and i think that again there's an opportunity again for decoys i'm kind of looking for when teams are game planning for someone else for two weeks you try and take away the number one option you start to look for maybe again good opportunities for decoys you bring in pascal okay it's clearly a run play no let's play action pass and maybe sneak one out to him so i'm trying to look for those again opportunities of disguise and deception um for some of these long shot touchdown guys here. So uh, I know those I, probably I, sound I, I crazy, like, but no, but I, I kind of like the juice. I, again, I would rather take the juice probably on a first time touchdown score where I'm looking at a lot of heavy, you know, lines for some pretty likely guys like, like a Miles Sanders at 850. That's, that would be somebody that I would target a Jarek McKinnon at 12 to the one. I don't, I don't hate that at all. And of course you could take a Kelsey as well. So the, the first time touchdown scores where you can play four or five guys. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cause you, you hope you hit one, you know, right. and it, it, you're going to cover everything. So, all right, let's get into individual players in there. Uh, whether we're talking passing, rushing, receiving totals. Uh, do you like anything there, Dan, as far as over-unders? Yeah. So uh, just going through it, I think I took five uh, in terms of, like actual player props. My first one, I like um, Isaiah Pacheco over 11 and a half rushing attempts. I think that that's definitely going to happen. I think the Chiefs will come out firing with rushing the football and try to test the Eagles front line and front seven, especially the linebackers. A lot of RPO action, like I said again. So I like Pacheco. And speaking of RPO action, I also like over 22 and a half for Jarek McKinnon receiving yards. I think that he'll get there as well. I think he'll have a lot of big catches in this game, especially over the middle and in the flats. I think that that's obvious, um, you know, and and part of their strategy. And that really could all come on one shot. I I think there's a good chance that that could happen. With the Eagles secondary uh, really just dropping back in cover three, I think he's got a great chance to go over that. 22 and a half doesn't seem like a lot at all. Um, Here's a guy that really actually has gotten a lot more, um, a lot more, production in the playoffs and that is when the eagles want to get speed on the field i think kenny gainwell is the guy they go to uh especially if they want to start really going fast so i'm going to take kenny gainwell on the over 18 and a half rushing yards he's not going to get a ton of carries he might get four or five but when he gets carries he's ripping them at like 10 yards a clip it's ridiculous what he's doing when he's in the game so i'm going to take him the over 18 and a half and i'm going to take both Dallas Goddard props. I'm going to take Dallas Goddard. He's a heavy guy for me. I'm taking his anytime touchdown. I'm taking his over four and a half receptions at minus 145. And I'm taking his over 50 and a half receiving yards. I think that this is where the cookie crumbles. I really do. I think Goddard's going to have a lot of opportunities in the middle of the field, one-on-one coverage. I really like what I'm seeing in terms of game plan specific to exploit Chiefs weaknesses. Goddard's my man. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you with some Dallas Goddard props. Again, it feels like the uh, the passing avenue that the, the Eagles will take when they do throw the ball, I think it's going to be going there. I actually went a little bit different with Tim, though. I went with uh, his receiving yards. I bumped him up a little bit, and I said that he will get 70-plus receiving yards. Good that was listed you. at plus 205. So I get a two to, you know, getting over two to one odds for him to hit that just over that 70 mark, which I definitely think he could do this that game. Um, and then I also have that his longest catch. Again, you mentioned that man-to-man coverage. It's the right time when they can draw them in with the RPO. His longest reception being over 19 and a half yards. I think that, you know, that he's a big yak monster, this guy. They love to get him moving across the field, over the middle of the field, catch it 10 yards out, run it another 10 yards. So give me Dallas Goddard uh, over 19 and a half on the longest reception. Another longest reception I have, and again, you highlighted this guy as well, MVS. I think that there is absolutely a deep shot play in the books for this guy. It's going to be a matter if he is able to corral it. Uh, but I think MVS, clearly the deep shot guy, uh, the deep shot opportunity for the Chiefs when they want to do that out of those play action um, after you know play action setting up the run uh, so he's also listed at 19 and a half yards which again just seems crazy that he is that low uh, so MVS over 19 and a half longest reception and then this is a great one I got from the guys at the action network uh, it, it this it, they, the way they they reasoned they reasoned it and made a lot of sense Jalen Hurts first rushing attempt being under four and a half yards because again we his first rushing attempt they, they they said that basically this line is set as if it were a normal quarterback with like a quarterback scramble, where the scramble is more likely to go to that four and a half. Again, we could easily get into a spot where the Eagles have a third and one or even a second and one, and they're just driving and they just rush up to the line quick and they sneak Hurts to get that one. Or if they just have, again, a designed carry run, he, he could very easily just get three or four yards on a designed carry with cloud of dust. A scramble for a quarterback – much more likely to go over four and a half, but Hertz has so much designed run stuff, and especially in short yarded situations where they're just trying to plow ahead. I think that under four and a half for his first rush attempt uh, is really good. Is a really good prop to take. I love that. I actually think that's really really smart because I think that the, the Chiefs are going to be keying on that a lot. Interesting. That is super 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 interesting. Okay. Well, uh, that's all our player props. Do we have any more? Uh, I was going to say, I one I just didn't do, I would probably take Mahomes to throw a touchdown minus, or sorry, to throw a interception minus 122. Wow. Um, has a lot of, has a lot of turnover worthy plays. Um, doesn't always end up happening, but I think again, pedal to the metal here, pushing the ball down the field. I think there's a solid chance that he has an interception in this game. So um, with some pressure. So minus 122 on that. Um, more things for, uh, man, I don't have much else related to in the game i don't know if you want to go into uh halftime or we can go into exotics uh oh, let's, have, let's do let's do post let's stuff, do that yeah. let's do halftime let's go right into it i love those exotic ones in the halftime and all that so let's do it all right we'll try to plow through these quick i know we're going a little long here but halftime props we have the uh wonderful and lovely rihanna singing this year's halftime show hmm. so one of the things we like to be able to guess is the first song that will be performed coming out of the set um, the heavy favor is don't stop the music. Uh, Stay is uh, second favorite at plus 350. Diamonds plus 450. This is what came for you, plus 500. Dan, do you have anything on here? I know that you said you might have been doing a little research with the misses, uh, maybe giving us yes. a little extra insight. Absolutely. So uh, shout out to uh, Money Michelle. She is the money lady. 
Uh, she is also humongous Rihanna fan. Huge Rihanna fan. Uh, very excited about the new album. I think you got to play it this way. You got to look for songs that have to deal with universal truths about football. This is a bright, shiny, giant, eyeballs-watching event. Something has to be explosive in this. You cannot start... Everybody thinks maybe there's a slow start. I think no. You come out, you come out with a bang. This is the Super Bowl. You have 250 million people watching this event. So this is where I'm going. I am going to take, and again, like I said, this is on, on good account here, on good faith from her. Diamonds at plus 450, I think, is a massive, massive play. If you listen to the way that, that opens – you're talking about, again, shine bright like a diamond. There are plenty of stars in the NFL. I also think you play this is what you came for because Rihanna will say, you didn't come to watch this game. You came to watch me do my thing. So I am ready to roll on that one. The numbers for that, diamonds plus 450, and this is what you came for is plus 500, like you said. However, I think you need to take a couple of long shots. And these, if you want to take a long shot, this is where I would go. I would go with where have you been? The base, that is a club banger. I think that that's one that you could absolutely ride on. And then a silent open. Some of the greatest songs in the history of the world have had silent opens. And Rude Boy is one of those songs. Rude Boy comes out an absolute just piercing voice from Rihanna. I think that that could be absolutely hard. Plus 2,000. For rude boy plus 1400 for where have you been one more thing matt before i want it before i get there as well this is all fashion and this is straight from the missus she likes silver or gold as the dress plus 600 as the first dress she okay. comes out to she's like nope this is rihanna she's on silver or gold that's what she is likely silver but i would play both of them Okay, I, I like I like the silver for the outfit. I was looking at songs in the set. It said at nine and a half. Feels like you want to go over there because again, you get so many. They they hit a song for like fifteen seconds and they get mm -hmm. they get moving on, but that counts. So I think you always got to I think you got to take the over in that. And again, just out of enjoyment of the halftime show, you want to hear more of it. So I love those song picks out of there from Money Michelle. Big shout out to her for that one. A uh, couple couple crazy halftime things again. We had so many more last year when we had the full like seven person lineup that was, yeah, that was stage last year uh and and you know 50 cent being coming out upside down was not one of the ones that we took last year but <laughs> that certainly did hit uh if anybody had it uh but again uh rihanna to to wear a bucket hat uh cardi b to be on stage rihanna or sorry drake to be on stage jay-z all these different crazy things that you could find um, out there for halftime props, if you so want to take them. Uh, I don't have anything here, Dan. I don't know. Well, you know, she was, again, she was adamant on some of these. I gave her the options, and I said, this is what it is. First off, I just want to let everybody know, Chris Brown is not coming on stage. That would be absolutely freaking insane. Um, that anyway, that would be horrible. Uh, but I can't believe that's actually a thing, that, that you can take that. But she really does like two people to appear on stage, ASAP Rocky at plus 140 and Drake at minus 125 because she does have that one song with Drake that I can't remember. That's, you know, a really huge banger. So you could see one of those two. I'm shocked that uh, uh, Jay-Z is on here. Okay, so he's at minus 175. And again, he's got one as well. So 
I don't hate those ones. I don't hate those ones. All right. Let's get into some more exotic props. Uh, we're talking weird things that could happen during the game, things that could happen after the game. Uh, do you think uh, maybe any player getting ejected from the game is an interesting one? Yes, being plus 725. Uh, will a player propose on the field after the game, plus 375? And I love this one, Dan. I absolutely love this one because, you know, we hate kickers in this household. We know we hate <laughs> kickers on this show. And we every time a field goal attempt is being attempted and we're watching football in this house, we're praying for a doink. And you could bet for there to be a doink by uh, a kicker on an extra point or a field goal to hit the crossbar or the upright. Yes, being plus 450, plus 450 for a doink. A doink. Sign <laughs> dork. Uh, that's the only one that appealed to me. At all. I'm like, you know what? These guys are a little shaky. I think we may be able to at least get some value on it. Uh, the, the classic, the commercials, which again, are, these are more silly ones that I feel like you can't actually find, but unless, you know, maybe, you know, a guy overseas that you might be able to find this. First commercial we played, Doritos or M&M's? Definitely, definitely M&M's. The M&M's are taking over. Maya Rudolph is now going to be the spokesperson for that. I'm going M&M's. Always, always a powerhouse in the commercial game as well, yeah. especially even with some... Um, they're reintroducing yeah. everything. They're having a brand new marketing campaign. Yeah. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. Unbe- unbelievable that guys, we could go on for hours on, about that. Hold on. Hold on. That's oh, I, I have oh, to Hold on. Who's got to weigh in? Whopper, whopper, whopper. <laughs> <laughs> we know oh, that there, there's got to be a special yeah. one of those. That's going to probably did, be oh. before the kickoff. How did that song not win a Grammy? It's unbelievable how it didn't win a Grammy. Fantastic work. Carry on. All right. So this the game has been decided. It's all said and done with. We've got a name. Well, should we say so? We want to continue. We have Gatorade color and Super Bowl MVPs. Do we want to give picks and sides first? Do we want to do these first? We'll do. I, I think we could. I think we could go Gatorade. I think we could do these first. Absolutely. All right, Gatorade color. Uh, we got to go long shots here I, again. I, I think I'm going to go with the favorite. A little bit on the favorite at on the lime green yellow side at plus one sixty five. You then you've got orange was the last time that the Eagles had or the last time the Chiefs had it was plus three hundred. Blue is the last time the Eagles had it plus four hundred. I'm going all the way up. I'm going to take a little purple plus seven fifty because again this is a this is a random prop. This is a random guessing game. You know you go. I think lemon lime green is on every sign line. It's the favorite color. I think it's universal. So you're more likely again. It's always out there, but it's a randomness about what's going to be on the sideline. It's going to be what the players like and, and which, you know, again, they're not thinking about which one they grab. They're just grabbing whatever they get. So got to throw a little on purple plus 750 for the long shot. Uh, the little guy, I let him choose this one. He mm. loves blue Gatorade. You know where I'm going. Blue plus it is. Going. There you go. Uh, and then Super Bowl MVPs. Uh, these are always good. ones, obviously dominated by the quarterbacks for the most part, but recent history we have seen, uh, a little bit more evening out of this. I have, do have a little bit of numbers as far as that goes um, for the MVPs. I'm trying to get to it really quick. Uh, I do have it pulled up here, but okay, I, see also, I see also what you've written down as far as history. And it looks like what I'm seeing is that there have been 31 quarterbacks. There have been eight receivers, seven running backs, 11 at every other position. Um and the last two running backs to win it were Emmett Smith and Terrell Davis. Each had 30 carries in the game. So, I mean, I don't know if one running back is going to have 30 carries in this game, unless their name is Derrick Henry and he ain't playing. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, you, you want to lean, you're leaning heavier on the quarterbacks here, but there's just no juice. Jalen Hurts is plus 100. 
Mahomes is plus 135. Um, I, I think that it's it's crazy that Travis Kelsey, again, if we're talking about more likely a pass cut, if it's not going to be a quarterback, it'll be a pass catcher, or we expect maybe a pass rushing, uh, you know, kind of kind of player, a linebacker is going to make an impact on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, could be a corner, but you know. Uh, so, but I, again, I think the best pass catcher in this game, well, as far as for the team that's going to throw the ball more, Travis Kelsey being 16 to one. I mean, he could easily again. Mahomes could have a day where he throws two picks and 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 throws three three touchdowns and three touchdowns could go to Travis Kelsey for 140 yards. And you know, we saw him have 14 catches in a playoff game earlier this year. So he is clearly the guy they go to in crunch time. I think you have to take a little of Travis Kelsey because again, he is just the most dominant player as far as the Chiefs passing offense goes. <sighs> this is really hard uh, because to me, um, I think that. At this stage, if you are going to take a MVP bet on a Chiefs player, um, to me, I think it's folly because no one will get this from the Chiefs other than Patrick Mullins. It just won't happen. I think I think he has to have if the if the Chiefs win this game, they are not winning this game defensively. And they are certainly not winning this game without having a virtuoso performance from him. He is what lifts them above. This is what we talked about. The Eagles have not faced a quarterback like this. There's a reason why he is this good. Um, I just don't see anybody else winning it but him on the Chiefs' side. So I would take him, cover your losses. That would be the first person I'd take. After that, I think that pretty much eliminates Jalen Hurts for me. Um, And I would probably lean on – maybe two other guys, maybe three. I'd, I'd take three other miles, uh, three other three other Eagles. I'd go with Miles Sanders. Uh, I think he's one of them. I think he could have a big rushing day uh, at 25 to 1. I, I really like that odds here. Um, there are some really long odds on some of these guys. It's like really unbelievable. Um, I would take Dallas Goddard. Like I said, I think Dallas Goddard is – I'm seeing 70 to 1. Is that true? He's 70 to 1. I think that's right. I think, I think, I think, again, I think there's a big discount on tight ends because a, a tight end's never won, I think, before. It's just been wide receivers. So He's I think never that there's a huge, I think there's a huge discount on that, on the tight end not winning, uh, which is, again, I think why Kelsey's so long. Like, like Cooper yeah. Cup last year as the number one pass catcher was like six to one, which I think, I think yeah. we had uh, in one MVP. We did. But uh, I mean, you know, six to one versus Travis Kelsey's 16 to one is, is, is crazy to me. And it's Goddard, crazy. Goddard, Goddard, at 70 Goddard at 70 to one. Just seems like crazy value, especially the fact that if they, like I said, if they're going to bracket off those two other guys, that's my play, man. I mean, that's where I'm going with that. Only other person maybe I could see from the Eagles that you may want to take a swing at, but it feels like it's just the problem with this guy is that he's been bet up so highly. He was like a hundred to one, and now he's like thirty-five to one, and it's Hassan Reddick yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. So. You know, to me, maybe you take a swing, and instead of if Hassan Reddick gets a lot of um, a lot of attention, maybe you go Josh Sweat, just throw a bone, a dollar on it, two hundred to one to win the MVP, uh, and he has a big game because he's a baller too. Obviously, not as good as Reddick, but if Reddick gets a lot of it, I, I'd take maybe this is the year of the long shot. I'd go Mahomes, I'd go Sanders, I'd go Goddard, and I'd go Josh Sweat at two hundred to one. Yeah, I'm on you with uh, Sanders and uh, Reddick are the other two, the two of the Eagles side mm-hmm. that I have. So, because I, I, again, I, I, as much with Sanders, we said, you know, 
maybe not have 30 carries, but I could definitely see him two rushing touchdowns and a, and, and a receiving touchdown, you know I mean? And, and Hertz could easily have zero passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown and the Eagles score, still score 30 points. You know what I mean? Like they could get 90% of their, you know, all of their scoring on, on the ground uh, one way or the other. So I can definitely see uh, really any of the running backs. You could take a really long shot. Uh, again, on a, on a Boston Scott or, or a Kenny G, if just so happens, you know, again, yeah. if the drives just work out where they're on the field and they end up with the touchdowns every time, you know, crazy things can't happen. So yeah. um, that's it for MVPs. I guess we have to make a final call on this game. I guess so. So let's do it. Uh, this line opened at Eagles plus one and a half, if I remember correctly, or plus two and a half, yep. actually. Plus two and yep. a half. It opened all the way up there, shot all the way to minus two and a half within like an hour of the of the number coming out the number of the total i'm sorry the number on the side has landed on eagles minus one and a half the over under is a cool 50 and a half started around 49 49 and a half and a shot up to 51 and has come back down so it is eagles minus one and a half it is over under 50 and a half right now in the game for our final pick of 2022 matthew ice the floor is yours. I will say I am not betting a side in this game. I I, I don't want to. I am going to be loaded up on props. I am very torn of this game. I have a, a Eagles future on them to win. That is just hedging out my 49ers future. That clearly did not come true to win for them to win the NFC Championship game. That was a free bet that I had. I am just acting like that's not happening. If it doesn't hit, it's free bet. Doesn't matter. I I really can't pull myself to root one way or the other in this game. Uh, we talked about the scoring. If I had to pick a side that I think is going to win, I do think it's the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to find a way to win. Mm-hmm. I just hate the number. I don't like where it's at with two and a half. If I had them at a plus number, it'd be great. I don't feel like laying the juice with the money line. I am just going to ride this one out and again pick props that I think will align with the Eagles winning. I might, you know, I'm going to be betting Eagles over over two and a half sacks. I'm going to be, mm-hmm. you know, again rushing props and, and, and any ten touchdowns for these guys. So I'm more leaning that way. I will be – I definitely just put a, a heavier bet on over 50 and a half. I, I, I think that yeah. both of these teams are going to to really have their way on offense. The first quarter might be slow. I think a first quarter under is always a good play. In the, in the Super Bowl, it's got a really good tracker in history. But I think once these teams feel each other out, and if it's low scoring early on, again, and we're looking at live lines, I'll be looking to attack live, live overs that are under 50 for sure. If we get anything under 50, I'm going to attack those live lines. But I think both these teams have their way on offense. I think the Chiefs the Chiefs are getting at least 24. I know the Eagles are good, but the, the Chiefs are getting at least 24. And then I really like the Eagles team total over 26 and a half. I think they're getting 20. You know, I think they're getting more than that mm. as well. So um, I, I, I'm heavy on the over in this game. Um, I love the over. I think I agree with you. I, I think that these two defenses are very exploitable. There's going to take a lot for this. I kind of look at it the same way, except there's one thing holding me back is that the Eagles just haven't seen a guy like Mahomes. They just haven't seen him. However healthy he is, however healthy Hurts is, they just haven't seen a guy like Mahomes. So it is holding me back in some regards. But at the end of the day, sometimes I, I kind of look at this as I've looked at some teams in the past. I know I've done this with college football in the past. I just think they're a team of destiny. I just think the Eagles are what exactly we thought they were at the beginning of the season, is that they have the most talent 
and Howie Roseman, the best GM in the league, will be vindicated once again. Now, here's the way I'm looking at it. We told you last week uh, that to take Eagles to win the Super Bowl last, last week, before those games, they were plus 250 to win the Super Bowl. That's what we have them at now. So it's a plus 250 money line bet right now as far as we're concerned. And like I said, we already won our NFC um, our NFC future with them at 14 to 1. So we have the Eagles have been really good to us, and we're not going to stop now. I do think that the defensive line is going to really exploit a guy like Orlando Brown. I don't think the Chiefs offensive line is that is very good. I just I don't think it's as good as it's advertised has been. So to me, if you want to do something in this game, of course you could take the spread and be totally fine with it and take the minus one and a half. To me, I think it's more fun for you to take an alternate line. That's what I would do. Uh, and I would take a couple. I would take Eagles a little heavier on Eagles minus four and a half. I think that that would be one that I would take at plus 145. And I'd even venture on taking an Eagles minus eight and a half at plus 265. I think that this possibly could be, I'd take my chances on us having a stinker Super Bowl. I really will, honestly. Because if Kelsey is what they're going to throw at them, we keep talking about, hey, they're going to double Kelsey and they got to leave those other two receivers on the outside. The two corners are James Bradbury, who was a first-team all-pro player, and Darius Slay, who was probably capable of that, just didn't get the votes. I'm sorry, but just don't see it. I know this is going to come off as me being super pro-Eagles, super anti-Mahomes and Kelsey, but this is just the way the game lays out. And I think, like I said last week with the Chiefs, or I'm sorry, with the 49ers and Eagles, the Eagles just have to do less to win the game. They have to do less to win the game. I, I know that's crazy to say against Mahomes, but I think we are looking at a possibility of, I could see 35-24 type of deal, you know? I could see that because I just can't see this Chiefs defense that has been beat up and beat up and beat up hanging with these guys that are just maulers. They'll control the time of possession. They'll control the clock. They'll control the line of scrimmage. And they'll be walking out of that place Super Bowl champions again. Eagles, uh, plus 250 on the money line if you like the alternates, minus 4.5, minus 8.5 sprinkled. Uh, I like all those. And I like the over. I like the over a lot. So we're mind-melding one last time. Why not? One last time. We might as well ride together. Uh, Lewis. Yeah. Thoughts on this game? Well, gentlemen, uh, I have to root for the Eagles so that I can do what I did last time. A little, huh. little misdirection play here. Uh, no, the, the Eagles are better. The Eagles are just a better team. The Chiefs are banged up. Mahomes is magical, but the Eagles are the Eagles are ready for this game. This is going to be uh, – I think they're going to go in there. They're going to win. Uh, Mahomes is going to put on a show, but I think he's going to come up short, I think. And then we'll have this whole, you know, oh, well, you know, the ankle and all the receivers were hurt, and that'll be a conversation going forward. I think that's what's going to happen, personally. So so that's the narrative pick, I guess you would say, is yeah, the I, excuse I, making. I, you, Hey, don't we do it all the time? We do. Yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, I'm going to bet <laughs> the Eagles money line. Um and then if the Chiefs win, I'll just be happy, and that's fine with me either way. So, I love it. 
I love it. Is there a Super Bowl MVP narrative that you see in this game? Oh, baby, I know how much you hate Travis Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> That's the guy. Uh, I, it's it's Hurts or, so, or Mahomes. Uh, or and if it's not either of those two, it's Kelsey. That I think that's it. I hundred percent agree because the story's been wrapped around him, and I think if he has a big game, I, again I could see Mahomes throwing two picks, being crazy with the ball, but staying in the game, and and Kelsey has two touchdowns. You jabroni. And, <laughs> exactly, exactly. The story's been all about him this whole time, and it's gonna it'll hurt you. Oh yeah, that's great. Guy's just guys, just a freaking jackhammer like he's just awful if but he wins, he's a great player call. i'm calling you at the moment if he gets that mvp trophy. i'm gonna be consoling a couple of eagles fans in my midst trying to like not be you know in the doghouse and say something stupid but uh <laughs> I mean, that's, Tom Brady that's what i'm gonna that. be doing tom brady would have won that uh he did win that goodness he's won the week too um the the uh one of the great storylines, I think, and, and you know, for what he's overcome, Jalen Hurts had a great little piece. RG3 did an interview with him, McNabb, and and Michael Vick. And they're all from inner city places, tough growing up. You know, Hurts was a was a coach's son, but you got McNabb from the, the heart of Chicago. You got Vick from Virginia Beach, Newport News. That's a tough place. You got Jalen Hurts from Houston, Texas, having to go to Bama, getting benched in the national championship, coming back, transferring to Oklahoma, doing what he did. Nobody believed in him. Carson Wentz was supposed to be the starter. Nobody really knew why he was drafted where he was. And this dude ends up, you know, five years ago, he was getting benched by Tua. My, how the tables have turned. <laughs> and that's why. If, if I was going to root for anything, I had root for Jalen because he really is turned into one of my favorite players. I, I, I'm all about that too. He is such a just the heart of a winner, right? You know what I mean? Like, does you know? Obviously, he's a freak athlete, can squat like more than anybody in the NFL, but has always had a, a hard road ahead of him. Always had to prove himself every step of the way, and now had an MVP type season. Uh, even though, and that's another interesting part about that we didn't say that. Mahomes likely to win the MVP this week. The six other MVPs that have made it as the quarterback have all lost. Mm. Mm. Very, very interesting. There was one stat, one final stat that I wanted to bring up here. And I just want to see if I can find it real quick. But there was a stat given out this week. I believe Evan Abrams from the Action Network gave out this ridiculous stat that was very, very funky. I'm just going to look and see if I can find it real quick. Um, however, there is – oh, that's an interesting stat as well. Um, but I believe the stat was teams that come in to the Super Bowl. There's only been mm, four yes. teams in the history of football that have had a against-the-spread record that is under 40%. So the, the Chiefs here are 6-11 and 11 against the spread. They're the fourth team to ever do this. Of the three other teams that made it to the Super Bowl, all three teams lost. All three teams lost the Super Bowl when having an against the spread record of under 40%. Just a very interesting stat to me. Fly, Eagles, fly. Ha, 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 ha.
God, I love it. God, I love it. That is a fascinating stat. And he also gave out this one. I'm going to give this on out and then we'll be done. Teams that have the line move in their favor at least one and a half points in the history of the Super Bowl. It has happened 18 times that the line has moved one and a half points towards one team. In those Super Bowls, the team to which the line moved to, 16 and two straight up, 14 and four against the spread. Fascinating. That would be the Eagles. I love it. That's it. That's all on the Sunday card, 2022 NFL season. We will be back next week for one final bow on the 2022 season on the Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. It should be a very, very fun time. Eagles Chiefs, let's get after it for Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silver. And for our esteemed producer, 11 Pepper Lou Perrick, I'm Dan Zampano. Boys, what's on the menu for Sunday? Buffalo chicken dip and pigs in a blanket. Who? Didn't even hesitate. We'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen, to wrap up the season. Until then, Godspeed. Happy Super Bowl, Maddie. Say love it. Fly, Say Eagles, fly. Oh, boy, on the wings of Eagles. We'll see you next week on the Sunday card. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silvereth, and produced by Lou Paracone. You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season at The Sunday Card. And remember... If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.